We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, Smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hands, hands, hands. This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. All right, everybody, joining us now on the second segment of today's episode is the one and only Dantha Valley from Hardwood Knox, a great NBA podcast over at the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Dan, how are you doing, man? I am doing spectacular, Alex. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent, and I'm really excited to talk with you because you know, I just talked in the first segment with Mark Schindler, and obviously we both know Mark very well. And uh, we had a nice conversation about, like, the whole Turner, Sabonis thing. So I don't want to get into that too much. But you just had Caitlin Cooper on your podcast, and she did a fantastic job. And, um, you know, you got to see the Pacers probably for the first time in a while on national TV play against the Miami Heat G League team and, and, and Tyler Hero and absolutely get trounced by 29 points. So uh, watching this team – what have been some of your overall takeaways from watching them? And, uh, you know, how, how surprised are you with the inconsistency with this team? Yeah, I think that's the word because as someone who covers the league nationally, like it's going to be harder for me to understand every team um, when I'm watching them. And for the Pacers, it feels like I'm watching a different squad nearly every single time I've seen them play. They can like vacillate between hopeless but competent or really good um, and then like they've just had some really bad losses. This is their second terrible one against the heat too. Right. When Miami yeah. is, is shorthanded. And so I don't really know what to make of them. I know that Karis had some thoughts after the Miami game about how they will attack a zone defense. Um, but there's just like so many issues where I can't just pinpoint it as 
this is the one thing that's plaguing the team. I will say, I think they really could use, I don't mean to oversimplify their issues. It feels like they could use a more established offensive pecking order because it just doesn't feel like they have one on a night-to-night basis um, or that they don't always know what they're trying to do or they're trying to test out so many different things, which I guess some self-exploration on, on the offensive end when you're looking at Domas or, or Karras or, or Miles Turner, it's a good thing. But when you're a team that's also supposed to be, you know, kind of sort of good relative to the Eastern Conference, the returns you've gotten thus far are a little problematic. And it's not even like their macros. When you look at some of their vitals, like this is a team that doesn't seem like it's very hopeless. They've just lost a, they've had some really bad losses and then they've lost just a ton of those close games that get into one possession in the the final two minutes or just conventional crunch time. And it's almost like given all the reporting that's come out, given some of the games that we've seen from them, you look and they're ninth in offensive efficiency outside garbage time. And they have a roughly league average defense outside garbage time. You're almost floored because it seems much more doom and gloom uh, around the team than their vitals would suggest. But I do think their record at 13 and 19 is sort of telltale of the, I would call it rampant inconsistency through, throughout the roster this season. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about that first loss to the Heat at home. I was actually at that game, and it was such a weird thing. Like, Sabonis didn't start because, like, he had to go get, like, a rapid COVID test before the game, like, right at the beginning of starting lineup. So they changed it, and Torrey Craig started. Then Sabonis comes back in with, like, you know, like seven minutes left in the first quarter, whatever it was. And then they just couldn't beat that zone against Miami then. And then fast forward two weeks later and still haven't been able to figure out how to beat that zone. So – Kind of confusing, you know, you got a really good coach, you're paying $7.25 million to, and they still can't break down a simple zone. You know, give Miami credit for what they're doing. But, I mean, you know, that that to me was just so perplexing. I, I was so dumbfounded by how terrible they looked against Miami. And it's like, obviously, you know, Malcolm was, wasn't playing great because right. he's injured and got re-injured during that game. So losing him was a big deal. And obviously not having McConnell, so now you're relying pretty much your point guard, op, you know, duties are – Brad Wanamaker, Karis LeVert, and, you know, a little bit of playmaking from Sabonis when he gets the ball. But, you know, I think pecking order-wise, it it seems to me like Sabonis would be the right person to run the offense through more often than they have, and I think they've done a better job of that. But ultimately, I just don't know what exactly they want from this team because shooting-wise, this team's not a great shooting team. They have good shooters on there, but they're kind of sporadic. I mean, uh, Chris Duarte has taken a big dip this month in his shooting percentages. Justin Holiday has been really inconsistent this year. Probably their best three-point shooter all season long has been Miles Turner. So it's just like, you know, and he's your seven-foot center that's, you know, blocking shots on the other end. So it's like if that's the best shooting you're going to get, then you're going to have troubles. I think it was just up until, you know, the last couple of weeks that we saw Karis LeVert get over the 40% mark from just the field. So, like, he was shooting, like, mid to, mid to high 30s, and that's not good for a guy that's got the ball as much as he does. But, you know, I, I just want to say I, I I have no idea how they're going to figure this out. But whenever the reports came out about them wanting to kind of rebuild, retool, we saw some good play out of them. They beat the Knicks. They beat the Mavericks. They almost, you know, beat the Warriors, and they had beat the Wizards before that report came out. But I think it was a little bit of fool's gold because all those teams beside the Warriors have been struggling and have been, you know, dipping a little bit into the standings. So I'm not buying into this team being anything better than 13 and 19. I think that's who they are. Underwhelming team that I just don't like their pieces and I think they need to make some moves. I'd be with you. I just, I find the the way that original report was framed just so curious where 
it implied that Rick Carlisle might be open to a rebuild. And then I think I saw a clip of him talking and it doesn't seem like he's open to a rebuild. And then one of the justifications was that Herb Simon is now 87. uh, So he would be open to a rebuild. And it's like, I mean, is he trying to be around when that rebuild is over? That doesn't make any sense that he would be open to it. And so I do agree that they need to make moves, but I do believe the national discourse has kind of veered far away from what they'll actually do. I don't think this is a team that's going to go for the nuclear teardown. I I mentioned this on the podcast I did with Caitlin Cooper that I think that the starkest move they would make, I mean, there's stuff on the margins they could do, but I could see them trading both Karis LeVert and Miles Turner as sort of a, is this a lateral move? Does this diversify our roster in any way? How much worse are we actually without Karis LeVert, if at all? And it seems like um, it'll be that type of a transaction because just looking at what they did over the offseason, right down to, look, I think Chris Duarte was clearly the, the right pick for them, but they went with an older rookie. This isn't a team that seems like it was even contemplating a semi-rebuild. And so this feels like it's going to be more of a, as Blazers interim GM Joe Cronin would call it, an enhancement rather than a rebuild. Yeah, and I agree with that because, I mean, even if you read the original reporting, they said they're going to trade or look to trade Kersler and either one of Turner or Sabonis. It was never, hey, we're going to completely tear this whole thing down. Like, here's a free fire sell. And, like, even in that reporting, Kravitz and Chops, whoever was the one to say it, it was like, I think it was more Kravitz, but he had basically said they're not going to go all OKC or Orlando. They're not going to go into this, like, hey, we're selling everybody for young players. Like, that's not the direction they're going. So, to me, it does feel more like a retool. I was kind of curious why they, you know, had to throw names out there. I don't know if that was just like speculation or if that was actual names that were given to them, maybe by agents or maybe by other teams saying, hey, these are the players that we've gotten calls on or whatever. But with that being said, I, I find it still hard. And I talked with Mark about this a little bit. It's so confusing, you know, why some of these reportings would would really put Sabonis versus Turner, because I feel like, you got to make a decision between both of them, right? But Sabonis is the two-time All-Star. He's still got more years on his deal left, and he's been pretty quiet overall with how he feels about the team. He hasn't come out and said anything. Where Turner, on the other hand, only has this year left plus next year on his deal. He's the one that feels like he's being, you know, whatever, underutilized, whatever you want to call it. Feels like he should have a bigger role, right? and went to the media about it. He's been on podcasts talking about it. So to me, it's like I feel like the Pacers just kind of threw Sabonis' name out there maybe in that report to see what they can maybe get for him. But ultimately, it just feels like Miles Turner is the guy that they're more than likely going to move. But I don't know if you feel that way or not, but it it just feels like that to me a little bit. If if we're talking just among the bigs, I would definitely say it's Miles Turner. Uh, Karis LeVert, He's probably having his best offensive stretch of the, the season over the past two weeks or whatever it's been, uh, the Miami game notwithstanding, although he did hit three threes in that one while going four fifteen from the floor. That was, again, that game was so, so weird. Um, but I would agree that it's Turner if they believe they need to make a choice between Domas and, and Turner. I think what's interesting is Sabonis is clearly the better player, but Turner, what he does is just a little bit more scalable where you don't have to change as much as your offense to, to fit him in. Sabonis seems better off as a hub. I guess the caveat here is Turner sounds like he wants to be more of like a Sabonis on offense at times, which, you know, that, that certainly can't happen in Indiana. I think the Caitlin Cooper put it this way. was like, why would you have Turner do any of the Sabonis stuff when Sabonis is on the floor, when Sabonis is just so much better at the Sabonis stuff. So yeah. I, I, I do believe it would just be Turner because there are more teams that are interested, which wouldn't speak to Domas's overall value. In my opinion, just that, teams view Turner as the easier guy 
to fit in. And if you were going to go for a Sabonis trade too, to me, he would be the player that costs you more. And that's going to factor into the way that teams go about this. He has uh, an extra year left on his deal compared to Turner, um, I believe. And he's the two-time All-Star. He can, he's not as good on defense. He's gotten a little bit better on defense, I think, though. And he can clearly be, like I said before, the, the hub of your offense. And if you're the Pacers, that's, I guess, if they're favoring Karras or they want to use Brogdon more as like the guy that's going to rug in their offense moving forward, they could use Sabonis as expendable. But he is more mission critical to the, the livelihood of their offense long term. And if you're an interested team, you have to look at that and say, well, the opportunity cost here is probably going to be higher for him than it is for Turner, who, as good as he is on defense, is kind of more of this offensive specialist still right now. Yeah, and I, I I don't want to be like putting words in the mouths of the front office or Carlisle or whatever, but don't you feel like, and maybe I'm just reading this wrong, so tell me if you think I'm wrong and feeling this way, but you know, if a guy comes out on the record to the media and says what he says about how he feels about it, where he's, you know, pinned at in terms of his role, and you know, then he has to backtrack and say all that he wanted was role clarity. I, I feel like to me as a as a GM or a president, like if a player is saying that already about your team. Or, or about his role on your team, he would be the one that I'd be more willing to move on from and uh, kind of grant him his wishes almost. Because, I mean, I'm not saying that they're taking it personal, right? Because if his name has been in trade rumors, like they don't want him to take it personal whenever that trade doesn't happen or whatnot, right? So it's part of a business. It's a, it's a business, right? But ultimately, like if I know a, a guy that might be wanting to to be out, sort of, so to say, like at least to an extent, um, I feel like that would be more motivation to maybe move on from that player. But am I reading too much into that? No, I agree with you. And I think, look, Turner's name, this is a bonus versus Turner thing has been a topic since I think basically three years were, ago. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it helped from Turner's perspective that it really seemed that the Gordon Hayward sign and trade was at basically the finish line a couple of years ago and to have that fall through. I know it's a business, but that kind of has to stick in the, the back of your mind. And I'm sure that might contribute to him being let's, let's say open to, to being moved. Yeah, I agree with that. So um, we did come up with some fake trades. So I know Caitlin Cooper, who was an anti fake trade person was on your podcast and I am the complete opposite. I love doing fake trades, but if I could analyze basketball and, and talk about basketball the way she does, I don't think I would care so much about trades. So, you know, I have to find my stick and uh, I do like talking to different people about, their trade value of, you know, different players on this team. So let's get right into it. You have five trades. I have six that I have. So, um, but you do have an either or. So maybe we do have total of six altogether, but uh, let's get started here. I'll let you do the, uh, the first trade here that you have on your list. And then maybe just kind of talk me through it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Um, I will say really quickly, Caitlin Cooper is one of my favorite anti-trade people because she's not condescending to people like you and I who do enjoy going through the fake trade <laughs> yeah. process. There are people who are very much anti-transaction. It's part of the league. If you don't enjoy it, that's fine. But transactions are part of the league. Anyway, my first trade, um, I have the Dallas Mavericks receiving Karis LeVert, Justin Holiday, the Pacers getting a first-round pick in 2025, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke. Okay, so what is your overall reasoning for this trade? Um, if I think the well, I know the Mavericks need someone who can put more pressure on half court defenses, and Karis LeVert will do that. I'm very curious as to where his trade value sort of lands. He's playing better now, but he is a complicated fit. I think when you look to move him off the ball, which would happen if you're putting him alongside Luka Doncic, um, Dallas could also use a wing like Justin Holiday. Uh, who can, in theory, hit threes, but also defend up uh, the the positional spectrum. And they've had just down years from two signings I liked in Bullock and, and Sterling Brown. Trey Burke is there for salary fodder, but he might be a little bit better for Indy's offense than a Brad Wanamaker, who knows at this uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think Tim Hardaway Jr. has not had a good year. Another guy who's in the least health and safety protocols right now. But he gives you just some... Uh, really big off-ball juice where we can, you know, he can attack off the dribble a little bit, but to have some guy just sort of flying around, um, that might be a good way to alleviate the the lack of what I would say is like point of attack pressure for the Pacers beyond Malcolm Brogdon. And, and that's someone along with, you know, I like the chemistry that it seems Sabonis and Duarte have forged. Um, I don't think Tim Hardaway Jr. would be on the same level as a Doug McDermott and Sabonis, but there could be something there. It does depend on how Indy feels about his contract, but for a team that, seems like it wants to change things up without actually rebuilding. If you can get a first round pick um, out of Karis LeVert while still getting a wing, that's going to help you now. It would be something to consider. If you need more than this, I would not be opposed if I was Dallas to just subbing in Jalen Brunson for Trey Burke. Um, Brunson's been spectacular this season, but I do think LeVert for all his struggles has the higher ceiling as a guy who can um, lead an offensive unit on his own during the non-Doncic minutes or just put pressure on, on playoff defenses because we did see Brunson struggle against uh, postseason defenses last year. Right, and that's what I actually, when I talked to some Mavericks people because they were asking about trades or maybe maybe Turner or whatever, maybe maybe Malcolm Brogdon. There was a lot of stuff going on there. They were asking about players. And, you know, Jalen Brunson, they were saying, hey, he had a bad playoff, so his value might be a little bit down right now. But I would definitely ask for Jalen Brunson over Trey Burke if I were the Pacers, but at the same time, I actually like this deal. I'm a I'm a Tim Hardaway Jr. fan, though. I've always liked his game. And I'm kind of curious maybe how his relationship is with Rick Carlisle after everything came out with Tim McMahon. I wonder how he would be, uh, how open he would be to be playing once again with Rick. But I, I do think that Rick, at points, though, you know, put him in the spotlight quite a bit next to Luca, right? I just think that they're trying to make Tim Hardaway Jr. somebody he's not next to Luca. Um, and, and I don't really think he's like the, the second guy or the second option. Don't really think Karras is either, but I think Karras is probably overall better than Tim Hardaway mm-hmm. Jr. But getting that 2025 first round pick is enticing as well because while it's lottery protected, you know, that your hope is that the Mavericks by that point in 2025 are, you know, a playoff team if you're a Mavericks fan. So this is a, this is to me is a pretty fair value. I don't think Justin Holiday is someone that I would be too upset with losing if I'm the Pacers. Like, He's uh, on a good contract. He wants to be here, obviously. But at the same time, depending on which direction this Pacers team is going, I I think that you have to be able to cut ties with a guy like this because he could help a lot of teams. And just depending on what you get back, I mean, I think this is really good, uh, really good value overall because I just 
like you said, Karis Levert, it seems like his value is pretty much down around the league. Yeah, and Justin Holiday is interesting because I really like him for so many teams. But if you're indie, I think you can easily argue that O'Shea Brissett has been better this year. And you know, so I know Holiday missed some time, but you also we assume that TJ Warren's going to come back at some point. You have Brissett. Like, could there be a you know, not that Justin Holiday is going to get totally squeezed out of the rotation, but is he a little bit more expendable if you can count on Brissett from a night to night basis, just based off his you know defensive. Um, like uh, portability for, for Brissett and the other things he does on offense clearly, but having TJ Warren come back, does that make holiday a little bit more expendable? Maybe if you're not yeah. getting Jalen Brunson back in this deal, can you try and give Tory Craig instead of Justin holiday? I'd be curious what Dallas says to that, knowing that Craig is basically like behind the rotation um, of Keelan Martin right now too. It <laughs> seems like so. Yeah. I think the last couple of games, they pulled Keelan out of the rotation a little bit. I think he played some in Detroit and Miami, but Craig got some minutes. It's just like, it feels like Brissett has taken Craig's minutes. Um, and for some reason, they don't feel like Craig and Brissett can play together. I don't really understand that. I talked with Mark about that a little bit, and he understood why that they might not be doing that. But I just – if Jeremy Lamb ain't scoring the basketball, I don't really understand why Craig can't play next to Brissett a little bit with that second unit. But uh, let's move on. I'll give out my first trade here. I uh, This is probably going to upset some fans because – uh, there's a lot of like back and forth on whether they like this deal or not when it happened a couple of years ago. And this is uh, Gordon Hayward and PJ Washington coming to the Pacers for Miles Turner and Karis Levert. I'm not sure that the Hornets would do this because of how important Hayward's been to their team, but he is on a pretty expensive contract. I think the Pacers would like to get their hands on him still. And I think he would be excited to come back home to Indiana where he wanted to be in the first place. And it would not surprise me if he did waive that 15% trade kicker to come back to Indiana. Yeah, I like this deal. If anything, I think Charlotte would have to give you a little bit more. I know okay. right now Gordon Hayward is probably the best player in the deal, but he's older. His contract isn't great. And, you know, Miles Turner is still just 25. And so what you're doing here, if you're Charlotte, you know you have to pay Miles Bridges this summer. You're sort of turning Gordon Hayward's salary into Calis Levert and Miles Turner, basically, which just makes it so much easier to pay Miles Bridges. And you didn't have to give up any huge draft equity or young player aside from PJ Washington to address your center spot who PJ Washington is going to be extension eligible before we know it too. And so I do like this trade for the Hornets. I don't think you would have to send a, a first round pick just because Karis Levert's value is all over the place, but he also does. He's not going to replicate what Hayward who is regressed defensively, but is still probably better than Karis Levert on that end. He's not going to replicate um, what Hayward does there. And he's definitely more of a ball stopper than Hayward. And he's not as good of an off ball shooter but he can replicate some of the, the on ball stuff and he's on a, a cheaper contract there. So I like it really for both teams. Like I said, if anything, I'm pushing for like a second or something, or can you maybe steal another one of those Hornets young bigs um, as part of this package? If you're indie, I don't know if you're going to get Kai Jones out of that, but even just a flyer on Vernon Carey jr. Uh, maybe they like Nick Richards more than Kai Jones at this point, but can you just get, you need something, whether it's a second or two, I would like to see Indy get another asset out of this deal because again Hayward is older and you're very much committing to yeah you get a little younger with PJ Washington but you're still kind of rooting yourself in the the nowish window I would call it if you're bringing in a Gordon Hayward yeah and I think the Pacers like everything they've said they don't really want to rebuild they want to retool right so this to me is more of a retool move uh, obviously it's not as you know it's not when they wanted Gordon Hayward but they still get a chance to get him I, they, they desperately need a, a guy like Hayward that plays that position, a guy that can guard some of those fours in the league, right? Because everybody's looking for someone to do that. I think P.J. Washington 
while he's regressed a little bit this year, I still think he's a really interesting prospect. Uh, I heard a couple of years ago when the Pacers tried to make that deal of Turner to Charlotte, they weren't willing to give up PJ Washington. I think that might change a little bit now. Um, and you never know with what's, what's being sourced up there, but I, I would be inter- interested in this deal for the Pacers just because clearly what they have right now is not working and just shaking it up a little bit without really what I would consider a major hit. I think this is a, a pretty fair value trade overall, but you know, like you said, you are getting a little bit older with Hayward, but if you hit on PJ Washington and he becomes something good, then I think you have a really interesting player here that could play Nexus Sabonis, even play some small ball five off that bench. And, you know, I I'm still intrigued by Isaiah Jackson, but he's still quite a, he's still got quite a ways to go to. He's really uh, super impactful in the league. And that could be maybe next year, but I just think right now um, what I've seen from Isaiah Jackson, he's going to have to bulk up and, and figure out the speed of the NBA and just get more acclimated with it and get more reps. But um, I've been a big PJ Washington fan for a long time and, I'm uh, I'm super excited to see what he can become as a pro. But uh, let's move on to your second trade. What do you got for me? Yeah, so I'll give you the either-or scenario here. I think Miles Turner to the Knicks gained some traction given how inconsistent Mitchell Robinson has been this season slash how utterly, abjectly disastrous the Knicks season has basically been. The first first one I have is the Knicks getting Turner and Holiday uh, with the Pacers getting Evan Fournier, Obi Toppin, a 2022 first round pick lottery protected. And then another pick in 2023, the Knicks have both Dallas's and New York. Um, I have it as a less favorable from Dallas and New York, since you are giving up top in this deal, you could go with more favorable from either of them, but then you're probably, um, I think you're protecting both of them. I know Dallas is top 10 protected to begin with, I believe, or I'm curious to see which one you prefer the Knicks. I have them getting Turner and Brissett for Kemba Walker, Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, and a 2022 first-round pick, which is only top eight protected. And this one was tough to finagle together because <laughs> I don't know that Turner really turns around in the next season to the point where you could guarantee that they're going to be outside the lottery. And so if there's a chance that you get a, a Toppin um, and a Robinson, I know he's going to be a restricted free agent, but also like a higher uh, draft pick this year while not having to take back long-term money, that might be something about the Pacers that would be slightly more intriguing. Yeah, and I think right now the Pacers could use all the point guard help they can get. And I think Kemba, while he while Brogdon's out, he could definitely start. Um, but even if he's willing to come off the bench, I mean, is he starting again now for New York, or is he coming off the bench? I know he. he was... I think he started the past two games because they they were riddled by COVID. He never should have been uh, removed from the rotation to begin with. I would have moved. People will claim I don't watch the Knicks by saying this, uh, but I just think that they should have removed Evan Fournier or just found a way to at least keep Kemba mm-hmm. in the rotation. Um, but he's been, he's looked pretty good in those two games. And like you said, when you're indie specifically, look at how cheap he is. And he has a player option for next year. Who knows if he picks it up? He is much better than Brad Wanamaker. Just, <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. that's a no brainer. And if you don't want to, and I do think Evan Fournier, he's had some really good games. He could help the Pacers, but if you're looking for someone who can run your offense um, to get Kemba Walker in this deal, I, I think that helps you immediately. And you're still getting, you know, two to three young pieces. I'd be curious to see whether New York, tries to build something without Toppin and not wanting to give Robinson and Toppin. But if you have Turner, I don't know why you want to pay Robinson this summer when he's entering restricted free agency. And I just don't think um, you're going to get away in a Turner trade without giving up one of IQ or Toppin. And I think what IQ does is just more valuable as someone who could put the ball in his hands. Yeah. I mean, if you could get IQ in this deal instead of Obi Toppin and then maybe drop that first round pick, maybe that'd be more enticing to the Pacers, but I just don't want anything to do with Evan Fournier's contract. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not a big Evan Fournier fan. I think he's, you know, a, a 
kind of similar to Miles Turner, how he feels a glorified role player, right? Uh, you know, Evan, Evan Fournier is more of a guy that's like a fifth option on the starting five or probably more so really best suited as a bench guy that can come in and give you some points off the bench. That's kind of how I would utilize him, but I wouldn't want to pay him what he's making, in my personal opinion, uh, just because I'm not the biggest fan. But the two picks and Obi Toppin for Turner and Holiday is really good value, considering that Holiday is a little bit older and probably not a part of your long-term future. And if Turner, you know, if they're already having uh, thoughts about moving him, it would make sense to get two picks. But, uh, you know, O'Shaber said I, I, the only reason I would be okay with moving him on or moving on from him is, once again, you're getting Obi Toppin, who what would play the same position as O'Shaber said. And you've already got Isaiah Jackson, the guy that they drafted or, or traded for in the draft at pick 22, I believe it was. So this is like uh, – it's a tough one to swallow when you think about it because – Clearly, a lot of fans like O'Shea Brissett, and I know there's like uh, fans like you that like, uh, or people like you that watch Pacers and think O'Shea Brissett's a really good player and a really good contract. But um, yeah, I think I would go with the the second choice for sure. You can but, say uh, neither. That is also an option. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's just a hard pill to swallow because I I think there's a lot of potential there with Obi Toppin. I don't really know why the Pacers would want Mitchell Robinson uh, with having Goga on the roster as well. But with that being said, I mean who really knows what Goga's future holds. <laughs> so um, I don't, I don't actually hate the second one. I think that I'd have a, it'd be a tough pill to swallow uh, losing O'Shea, but I think I could do it, especially knowing I'm getting that 2022 first round pick top eight protected, because like you said, the Knicks could end up, you know, being around that 10 to 13 level pick. And if the Pacers stay where they're at pick wise, now you're talking about two lottery picks, which would be super fantastic for a team that really needs to get more athletic. Yeah, I mean, I think you could probably adjust the deal to just be like, hey, Brissett stays in India and Mitchell Robinson stays in New yeah. York, if that was really a, a hackling point. Uh, New York, we need to do something with all their bigs then, having Taj Gibson, Robinson, Nerlens Noel, and, and and Turner on the docket for sure. Right. I don't know if you could do a three-team deal or something like that, but I mean, when someone you do... Someone would want Mitchell Robinson. I think Mitchell Robinson can be good, um, so someone would want him, but I do agree with you that if you're getting top in, maybe there's not as much of a need for a Robinson, especially if you want to keep TJ Warren long-term and play him a bunch at the four and you maybe you top is more of a five. I would prefer just based off what I've seen or what I have not seen from Goga, I would definitely prefer Mitchell Robinson yeah. um, to him. But there is the issue of he's entering uh, unrestricted free agency this summer, I believe. So how much does he cost? I know the big man market is weird, but even if you have to pay him, you know, if you have to pay him more than mid-level exception type money, that would be something to think about knowing you have Sabonis on the roster, knowing you have Toppin, knowing you have Jackson as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I think it's a, it's a well-structured thing. I think it's fair value across the board. But, uh, yeah, let's move on to my trade number two. And this is a bit of a boring trade if you're wanting to see a big trade here. But um, I, I said Jeremy Lamb, Tori Craig, Gogo Batadze, and then two second-round picks for Eric Gordon and Jay Sean Tate on the Houston Rockets. And part of the reason I did this is because I was telling you, Dan, you uh, were doing a podcast talking about Eastern Conference teams and throwing out different, like, trade targets for teams and – you know, Eric Gordon's actually been pretty good this year. He was mentioned to be like something the Rockets are trying to dangle to try to get that 13th overall pick from Indiana. Obviously, I wouldn't want to trade that 13th overall pick for Eric Gordon. But if I can get off some role players that really aren't seeing the floor and a couple second round picks that aren't too meaningful to me for Eric Gordon and Jay Sean Tate, this would be something I would love to do. But I'm not sure about the value if it would be something Houston would be interested in. My guess would be they're not because Eric Gordon's been ridiculously good this year that even with the the next year in his contract being a little pricey, 
my guess would be they want a first round pick for him alone. And so you add Jay Sean Tate in there who is, can be a defensive monster and can put some pressure on the basket. And he was, I haven't seen the past couple of rockets games, but he was like hitting his threes for a couple yeah. of weeks too. Um, that, you know, that's going to add even more value there. So if you're not even getting a first round pick out of that and how much is Goga valuable to them when they have Christian Wood, Alperun Shangun, Usman Garuba is not even playing. They're in love with, with Daniel Tice. I think if you want Eric Gordon and in Indy, you're probably going to have to really up the ante here. And that gets difficult because if you don't want to move a first round pick, we already know that Houston wants nothing to do with Karis LeVert or he would have been a rocket already. Right. And that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, okay. Uh, and it's, it's tough because I really didn't know how much they valued Eric Gordon, especially because Houston's kind of in a weird spot right now. Like they've got good players. They've got a, a young core they're trying to build around. I'm sure they're still trying to get in the lottery and get some more valuable young players to, to pair with, um, with their young core there. But that's why I wasn't sure, like, because I know Jeremy Lamb's an expiring. Tory Craig's only got like four million on his, and Goga's only got like four on his. Um, I did say you could throw a heavily protected first in there instead of two second round picks, but you know I don't think Pacer fans would be too excited about this deal. But I'm all for uh, consolidating some of these bench players on this Pacers team to get a little bit more help. Um, I felt like Jay Sean Tate was really just like stretching it here a little bit. I didn't know what other players that make a, a cheap enough salary could maybe be entered into this deal like I don't know if like you could maybe swap out Jay Sean Tate for like a um a Martin or something like that on their team but just a guy that maybe is a filler but at the same time some fans might not be intrigued by the idea of giving up on Goga for Eric Gordon basically with a pick attached so this probably is a a deal but I was uh I was still curious by what you uh what you thought on it but um if you don't have any other thoughts on that we can move on to your third trade I will say, I, maybe this is unpopular amongst Pacers fans, but if it's costing you Goga and then Lamb salary, then I don't know if that's enough to finish Gordon. But let's say that's the basis, and you do include a pick that's a first round pick that's protected against disaster, where you're never conveying, let's say, a top sixteen pick to Houston for Eric Gordon. That's a deal that I would absolutely do. If it's salary filler, Goga, and a heavily protected first, I think Eric Gordon. You have to hedge a little bit against his health. He is a little. He is older. He's had injury problems in the past, so that's why. Again, you could, if it's a if it's a protected first that has a chance of actually conveying as a first, should the Pacers be good and you're Houston and they're willing to do that deal, I would in a heartbeat for Indiana. He doesn't. I don't think he addresses some of the you know playmaking issues they might have, but this is another guy who can really attack. And then you look at how he spaces the floor off the ball uh, because of how far behind the arc he will stand. I I don't know. Again, it depends on how much you've watched Eric Warren this year, but he has been just absurdly good for Houston. He's probably trying to get out. <laughs> I mean, you know? hey, they were they were pretty frisky for a minute. They had that seven game winning streak or whatever it is. But yeah, if I if I were him, uh, I I would want to play for a contender. And I think what gets lost in translation a little bit is people look at his contract and they're like, "Whoa, he has two two more years left on his deal at uh, nineteen and twenty million dollars each." Like that twenty one million dollar final year in twenty twenty three it's only guaranteed if he makes the all-star team or your team wins the championship and you will gladly pay Eric Gordon $21 million that year. If, <laughs> if any of those scenarios pan out. No, I, I agree with that. I know there was that weird clause in that last year of his contract. I remember that from the, from the, uh, the draft trade stuff, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think Eric Gordon, you know, I'm not just saying this because he's an Indiana guy. Like I just think this is a veteran veteran guard that could, help you off your bench. And I don't think he would take away minutes from, you know, Chris Duarte or anything like that. I just, I feel like he could help out. And, you know, I, you could throw Justin holiday in this trade if you wanted to, I don't know if that'd be enticing or not instead of Tory Craig, but ultimately I just, 
you know, I, I was just trying to find a way to maybe get a little bit more of a ball handler kind of guy, some that can attack and get to the rim, because I've I've liked that about Eric Gordon watching him play um, in the playoffs over the last couple of years. Just like he had some big moments, and I thought he was pretty competent defensively as well. Yeah, and I mean, what you could do is I don't know that he helps the Pacers a lot, but you can throw T, uh, DJ Augustine's salary in there. Maybe that's something that the Rockets don't want to have to deal with this season, or they just want to open up minutes for Josh Christopher moving forward along with KPJ and uh, Jalen Green now that he's back. So if it's Eric Gordon and DJ Augustine, and I haven't done the math on this, but it's for Jeremy Lamb, Torrey Craig, Goga, and a heavily protected first, that's again a deal that I'm making if I'm, I'm Indiana. You do have to have some belief that you can do something this season if you're the Pacers. I I think they're capable of it. I wouldn't call them a contender, but I – um, I might be a little bit more optimistic than you on what they could be at full strength. And I'm not even factoring in TJ Warren at this point. I just, I have no idea what he's going to look like or when he's going to play. Yeah, I know. That's, that's a question mark that all Pacer fans have, but let's move on to your, th- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just don't know. Right. But uh, let's move on to your third trade here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This one I'm pretty sure is going to be wildly unpopular, maybe among both fan bases. But I have Karis LeVert going to the Pelicans, who per report from uh, Bleacher Report's Jake Fisher, who I guess, since we both work at Bleacher Report, is my colleague. Um, they want to be buyers at the trade deadline. I don't necessarily understand it if you don't know when Zion's coming back, but Karis LeVert sort of threads that needle where it's, you're not going to have to give up two first-round picks for him. Because if you are, I don't know what else is happening in that deal, or you, or you probably lost the trade. Um, but he could, they really do need just like another point of attack guy while Zion's out the fit with Zion and Ingram and even Devontae Graham could be iffy but I like the flyer so I have the Pelicans getting Karis LeVert for Thomas Adoransky is on an expiring deal Nikhil Alexander Walker and then the Pelicans 2022 second round pick which at this rate is going to be in the low 30s I wouldn't be opposed to New Orleans including a first round pick but you're probably looking at like one of those Milwaukee selections down the line or something um, or maybe a, I don't even think you could get a Lakers selection out of them because I'm not, you know, the Lakers future is so up in the air, but I wouldn't be opposed to them, um, including a first round pick. I would need, it would need to be protected. And I think it, New Orleans would have to send someone else out other than just Karras. But if you like the idea of Nikhil Alexander Walker, I think, you know, maybe one of his best case scenarios is he turns into sort of a Karras Levert, but I do think that he has a little bit more intrigue and contortionism when he's going downhill and I see uh, maybe a little bit more of a point guard in him than Karras who has shown that he can set up teammates when he's really tasked with running lineups but they almost feel a lot even dating back to his time in Brooklyn that he's making like these 11th hour last resort passes rather than actively seeking to to set up teammates so this is a trade that when I was looking at I was like oh god this is gross when I first looked at it um, but Thomas Sadoransky, I think he's a little bit underrated. Oh no, he's, good. he's terrible. This it's just his contract expiring. Um, and I, I think Indy could play him because I was, I thought when Chicago signed him way back when I thought they, that was a good deal, but his salary, I just, he's expiring salary. And so that gives you more flexibility 
with your roster spots over the yeah. off season. Um, the other thing I thought about including is, you know, Najee Marshall was having a great year for new Orleans last year. He's kind of fallen out of their rotation this season amid struggles. So maybe they're willing to include him too. And so now you get a flyer on a wing in addition to, to Naw. but it really depends on how, where Karis Levert's value is around the league. And, and I don't know where it is, but like I said, if, if new Orleans can heavily protect a pick um, and Indy isn't necessarily worried about getting a pick, you know, it's probably not going to be an immediate pick is what I'm getting at. Then that's, I would absolutely give up a first rounder if I'm new Orleans for Karis. Yeah, I mean, I think Harris could help that team. I'd be interested to see how he fits with Zion and Brandon Ingram just because we know he's not a great three-point shooter, right? But Devontae Green has been pretty good. Uh, he's a good shooter. So there's ways you can make this work. I I mean, Sadoransky, I, I, didn't, I don't know what he's looked like in New Orleans. I haven't really watched a ton of them this year. But when Too he played with, bad, but bad. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> that's bad then. Okay. But is he, is he an upgrade over Brad Wanamaker? <laughs> I mean, you, know, you know, he's an upgrade over Golden State Warriors, Brad Wanamaker. Indiana Pacers, Brad Wanamaker might be more of a coin toss. Okay, so that's not good then. Okay, so obviously he wouldn't really be playing much. You might even cut him after you trade for him if you're trying to, if you don't have a roster spot for him here, because in this uh, deal right here, you'd be trading two for one. Um, I do like Nikhil Alexander Walker, though. I do uh, think he's a, an interesting young player. And I actually thought New Orleans was a little bit higher on him, but. Maybe that he's regressed a little bit. I'm not sure. I haven't, like I said, I haven't watched enough of the Pelicans this year to know exactly what uh, it is, what's going on with Nikhil. But I, I think this is an intriguing trade to some degree. But ultimately, I think there's probably going to be better deals out there for Karis Levert, in my opinion. I'd probably agree with you. And I, I would think I'd prioritize a first round pick if I'm Indiana for Karis yeah. over a youngster who's in the, I think it's Nas' third year. Is this his second year? Whatever it is. But someone who's in the middle of their rookie scale contract. Right. And I mean, Karis, while he might not be the perfect fit here, he's still a good player. Obviously, the Pacers valued him somewhat. And uh, I think he can do some good things, but I think ultimately it's all about fit and where he's at. So, I I, I mean, I don't know. They've, they're they an interesting team, though. I, I do like the Pelicans have been playing better as of late. So I could see why they might be more intrigued to buy because they're trying to convince Zion. But whatever going, what's ever going on with him, I just it's it's just such a that's a question mark too. Like similar to TJ Warren, it's like nobody knows when Zion's coming back either. But um, let's move on to my trade number three. I've got Karis Levert and Justin Holiday go into the Atlanta Hawks for Danilo Gallinari and Cam Reddish. What are your thoughts on this trade? That it's interesting. I think if you trust Karis to run more of your lineups or just even act as the secondary option when. Uh, Trey Young is off the floor, or even like I said, secondary option when Trey Young is on the floor. There's some merit to having him over a, a Cam Reddish. Reddish, when he's healthy, is really important of what they do defensively. And Gallinari's still a good player. That I'd be curious if Atlanta needs something else here, especially knowing that they're looking for a first round pick for for Reddish alone, and he does have another year left on his rookie scale. If you knew he was entering restricted free agency, you could say, all right, you know, Karis Levert's salary is so reasonable. Now we don't have to pay Cam Reddish, and we're probably going to pay DeAndre Hunter. Anyway, um, it feels like Atlanta needs a little bit more of a carrot. And I'm also just curious as to whether, you know, does Indiana really want a Gallinari on their roster, but he's only partially guaranteed for next year. And he's, he's also really good. Someone who you could put the ball in his hands. He'll hit threes. He'll, he'll draw some fouls and get to the free throw line. So it's, it's a trade that really makes me think and mm. to a point where I don't know which side would say no, but I do think Atlanta might need a, a touch more. So what else would be, would need to be included in your eyes for this? Maybe a, maybe a protected pick. I don't think it would need to be a first. Um, like, is it a is it a second? Is it a you know even like O'Shea Brissett feels like that would be just a little bit too much. Um, so I mean, like maybe maybe you're right there, but like, is a Brissett a, a deal maker? I don't 
I honestly, I don't know, but I, I think it really depends too on how much does Atlanta want someone who can run some of those um, young list minutes. And then also they've had some really, they've had a tough time in fourth quarters of late. And I knew they, I believe they start those quarters with their, their bench unit. So if you think that Karis LeVert is really going to elevate that, I'm just curious as to whether there's too much overlap between him and Bogdan Bogdanovich for them to, to really love that. But I don't think this is a, a, um, I think it's an, a close to an equitable trade. I'm just trying to figure out like what would be Indiana's motivation. I guess you're just really high on Cam Reddish. Yeah, that's kind of the whole thing here. You're hoping to find that diamond in the rough in Cam Reddish because similar to when they acquired a guy like Jermaine O'Neal, right? They traded Dell Davis away. Jermaine was on a loaded Portland team that was really good and it just couldn't crack the rotation, right? But uh, he came to Indiana, became an all-star. And I think that's kind of something similar to the Pacers might be interested in trying to find is, Hey, you know, Cam Reddish showed like in that one playoff game in the series, I think it was against the, the Sixers or maybe it was, was it the Bucks? I can't remember uh, where he had like 20 some points right in that one game. And there was some injuries, I think. And so you're like, wow, okay. We, we saw a flash of what Cam Reddish might be able to be. And obviously we know Atlanta's got a lot of young players that can't keep everybody. Um, so they're going to have to cut ties with some of them. So Cam Reddish has been a, a, a popular name around here in Indiana, especially uh, for uh, trying to find a young guy. And then Gallo was kind of more like a salary filler for me because I feel like Karras would have to be like one of the main pieces going out. But Gallo is a good player, like you said. Don't know if Atlanta would really want to give him up because I thought he was pretty good last year in the playoffs for him. But at the same time, he's getting a little bit older. I don't know how old he is exactly, but uh, don't know if he'd be a long-term part of the Pacers' future. And I don't want to see too many minutes of him and Sabonis together on the floor because mm. defensively that'd be uh, a train wreck. But right. <laughs> I, I do think that Gallo is somebody I know the Pacers had interest in before Paul George left. Um, <laughs> that was a guy they wanted to bring in that Paul, I think he's reference was like, nah, I want Anthony Davis. So when you're comparing like Gallo to that, it's just kind of funny, but I, I do like Gallo as like a filler for this season off the bench, that kind of thing. But ultimately I think the goal here is to get a young player like Cam Reddish. I, it would make me think for, for both sides. If, if Indy is like one of those teams that you don't think is traded a lot of seconds, but they've, they've traded like all their own seconds through 2020, what is it? Six, 2027 at this point. Um, and they do have some incoming seconds. So maybe it's just a matter of including like one of those 2023 seconds they're getting from Houston, Dallas or Miami to, to tip the scales. Um, a lot of it is if Indiana is legitimately interested in reddish, I guess it's just it, everything hinges on how much in Atlanta um, really likes Karis LeVert. Yeah. And that'd be the big question mark. And I think that Nick McMillan likes Justin holiday. Clearly he was pretty good for him when he played with him for that, um, for that one season. So uh, there, there could be some familiarity there, but let's move on to your trade number four. Yeah. You know what? Now that more I think about it, I might do it if I'm Atlanta, just because of all the injuries that Deandre Hunter has had, Justin holiday becomes like sneaky, valuable mm-hmm. to you too. And so Karis Levert's health is a red flag itself, just like reddishes. But I think I, I might do that for both sides. That was i I looked at this one the other uh, last night and it, it made me think. So that was a okay. good one. Hey, there we go. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. So um, let's move on to your trade number four now. So I have the Pacers getting Fukuno Campazo sort of as like a, if you need someone to replace TJ McConnell, like why not Fukuno Campazo? And then either Vlatko Chanchar or Bobol. I would prefer the former, but I know that there are some people who still really like Bobol as a mystery box. And the 2024 second round pick for Justin Holiday um, going to to the Nuggets there. And I do think most of this hinges on what how much does Indy value the idea of Facundo Campazo as someone who can really like defend across the entire court? He's had some really high offensive moments 
you don't want him running your offense as much as a TJ McConnell, but I also don't, he's not as much as just like a, a he doesn't shrink the floor as much as a TJ McConnell either. And he's, he's super cheap, no long-term commitment there. And if you have Justin Holiday's minutes spoken for, um, I was actually in, intrigued by Chanchard given what he did um, over the Olympics this past summer with the Slovenian national team. And I wanted to see him get a little bit more burn in Denver. I don't know if it's a red flag that he can't crack their rotation when they really need like guys his size, but Mike Malone is Michael Malone is really in love with um, Jermichael Green, and they're small enough on the front end to where maybe you don't want Chanchar getting those minutes. And then Bobo's just I don't I'm, I'm kind of out on him, but um, I do I was curious as to what your thoughts would be on something like this because I'm just knowing how the Pacers have used him, knowing how he's played this season. I'm curious as to what Justin Holiday's value actually is around the league at this point. Yeah, because I think there's been a lot of like, well, one is not vaccinated, right? So um, I, he can only be traded to certain teams because like New York, LA, those teams are going to trade for him, right? Because he's not vaccinated and really can't play in those home games. The Nuggets so. know how to do that because Michael Porter Jr. is uh, right. He, he called it immune one. to COVID and then got it a third time because <laughs> he's a effing genius <laughs> yeah he's uh he's got everything figured out right but uh composite yeah I've, I've seen a little bit of his game um like i said i i mostly watch the pacers and i don't have a lot of time for everything else to watch a ton of nba so uh you know these players better than my uh than i would even have any idea what to say so uh composite though i do remember him playing against the pacers this year and i've seen him play some in other games and yeah he's looked pretty good i actually kind of like that idea of him on that Pacers second unit, I feel like Carlisle would really like him. Now, um, in terms of the other two players here, uh, I don't really think it matters to me whichever one the Pacers want to take here. Uh, but getting a second-round pick is always valuable. I think the Pacers value second-round picks because they're always good to, like, combine and trade for stuff later, right? They've also so, traded so many of them from their own They have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they got three of them from Miami when they had the, when they had the one from the Phoenix Suns. They traded that for three second-round picks from Miami. So they've – had multiple second round picks that they've been able to play with. And I think they acquired a couple, if I'm not mistaken, from Houston a couple of years ago, and they pretty much just took on salary to dump those players. So um, I forget who was all involved in that trade, but it was like they took on like two players and then cut them both and got like maybe one or two second round picks. So they're always looking at adding those second round picks just to play with them. But I don't think this is a bad idea. I'm not like in love with Justin Holiday. I'm not attached to him whatsoever. I really liked him when they brought him in. I think he's a good role player. But with this Pacers team kind of, stuck in the mud i would like justin holiday to be more of a contributor on a team that is actually going to be competing you know in the playoffs and i really like the idea of him in that denver system and look if it's just an issue of you know you're going to use Compazzo and you're probably waving brad wanamaker um as part of this deal uh if i'm the nuggets just knowing that justin holiday especially given the makeup of your roster right now can play more postseason minutes than a Compazzo, particularly if jamal murray is going to be back at that point I would not be opposed to throwing in another second as well in 2025. Yeah. And so if like, that's what gets it done where the Pacers view it as two second round picks plus Composo for Justin holiday. Um, I think that, you know, I, maybe it makes me think a little bit more if I'm Denver, but I would still probably do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, this isn't one that's really going to move the needle, but it's still an, it's a, it's an intriguing trade from a role player standpoint. And uh, I think it might work out for both teams actually pretty well uh, just having that impact player. But I know a lot of fans here um, would be sad to see Justin Holiday go because he's been pretty consistent and he's been the Iron Man for him. He hardly misses any games. And I think that's something that the Nuggets could use as a guy that doesn't really get injured a lot because they have their fair share of injuries. But uh, moving on to my trade number four, we're going to kind of go back to the New York thing. I maybe should have switched it up and talked about it then, but uh, I had Miles Turner and Brad Wanamaker to New York for uh, IQ 
Nerlens Noel and Obi Top, and then I sort of topping is too much. Then maybe throw in Knox, but uh, then I then I look at your trades and I'm like, well, maybe I'm not asking enough for Turner in this deal. Then I'm willing to throw in Knox, but uh, I don't know if they'd be willing to give up IQ and Toppin for for Turner basically in this deal. But I think if I'm the Pacers, I would be asking for that at least at first. Yeah, I get that as an ask. If if I was the Knicks, I I think you go the route of you can have one plus a first and salary. So if it was like Noel top and Knox and then a first round pick um, for Turner and, and Wanamaker, that's something I'm more likely to consider. If they're going to give up both quickly and top in, they're probably looking for someone who's closer to an offensive star, like a defensive stud who um, they're also keeping Mitchell Robinson as part of this trade. And again, Miles Turner, I want to make it clear world's better than Mitchell Robinson. But if you're giving, um, you know, the opportunity cost here is two of your three top prospects on the roster right now. I'm probably trying to push a package where, you get one of them plus picks rather than both of them. Yeah, and I think that makes more sense. I don't want to spend too much time on this since we already kind of talked about the Knicks players and their value, but let's move on to your trade number five. Well, you have, I'm looking at your trade number five was super interesting. The Turner to Golden State one. Should we yeah. just segue there since it's another Turner one? Yeah, we can go with it because um, I have, I sent you one after that after I sent those first five to you. But um, yeah, I had Turner going to Golden State. I've actually shared this one on the podcast before, but only discussed it with my host. Um, so, uh, my co-host here, but uh, I, I have Damian Lee and James Wiseman to Charlotte and then PJ Washington, Ish Smith and Moses Moody to Indiana. I, I do like this trade a lot just because it gives the Pacers two young players, two young prospects. I think it Ish Smith to me is actually one of my favorite backup point guards in the league. I like what he's done in Charlotte. And uh, I think that the way McConnell's been utilized this year under, under Carlisle, it's not been perfect. So this would give you somebody that I think might fit Carlisle's system a little bit better in Ish Smith, but um, he's definitely an upgrade over Brad Wanamaker, and I was trying to think of ways they could mask that that point guard situation they have with all the injuries and then go out and get a guy like Moody and P.J. Washington. Yeah, I like this trade for the Pacers and the Warriors. And if you're Golden State and you're getting – if you're getting Turner, Sabonis, Siakam, who Ben Simmons, whoever it is, and you didn't give up Jonathan Kaminga, to me you've done something right. I'm not as high on James Wiseman as they appear to be internally. I guess my question would be for Charlotte because in theory, like James Wiseman would be great to monitor moving forward, but if they're in more of a win now mode, like yeah. it seems as they are losing PJ Washington, uh, who is more of an entrenched asset than a James Wiseman, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Again, if I'm Charlotte's, I know the fans in Charlotte seem to be very, I don't want to use the word impatient. That seems cruel, but they do seem to lack a little patience here. If I'm the Charlotte team, I'm not opposed to taking a flyer on Wiseman long-term when you know you have Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward can play some four. Jalen McDaniels has also been really good for you this season. I think I need something else, though, if I'm Charlotte, to, to make this deal, especially if you're giving up Ish Smith, who's had some uh, good moments for them this season. Okay, so would there be anything worth uh, adding into this? Because part of the reason I did this was – one, I didn't want to have like Kevin Looney on the Pacers, right? Because it doesn't make a right. whole lot of sense for him to be here. And I think it would make more sense for Golden State to want to keep him as their backup center so they don't have to worry about, you know, not having a guy that doesn't know their system very well. I think that just that type of value to their roster because he's been a long-term player, their form would be good. Um, obviously, Plumlee has not been great in Charlotte this year, right? Um, I don't think – I don't know how much Looney is better than, than, than Plumlee at this point. If, if he's even an upgrade at all, because um, clearly I think he benefits from playing in that warrior system. But I'm not sure what else I could possibly throw in there to make this enticing. Uh, maybe if you threw O'Shea Brissett in there to Charlotte, I don't know if that'd be uh, enticing or I, not. You know what? I would do that if I okay. were Charlotte. If it's because look, Damian Lee's not a zero either. I know people make jokes about yeah. like his relation to Stephen Curry, but he's not a zero. 
So you are getting someone who can maybe be part of your wing rotation. And if you're getting Brissett, who can play just so many different positions. And so I don't think he's, he's not replacing PJ Washington on, on offense. Um, he's not even really replacing, you know, those small ball five minutes for PJ Washington on defense. But if you're getting Wiseman, Brissett and Damian Lee for PJ Washington and it's Smith, I'm probably doing it if I'm Charlotte. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. Like obviously Wiseman was a top three pick in last year's draft or 2020s draft, excuse me. So I think that there's still some intrigue there, but they have Kai Jones as well. So, you know, hopefully Kai Jones can become something. But at this point, to me personally, it's just like, yeah, I'm sure if they're in a Miles Turner trade and they don't get Miles Turner, they'd probably be more sad than, <laughs> than not. But I was just trying to think of a way like, hey, where the Warriors get off of uh, – get basically they get an upgrade at center without having to give up too many assets. And I felt like, you know, still giving up two lottery picks is a big deal. but. um you know, I mean, Moses Moody is a, a, a couple years away from really being impactful out there and, and in Golden State. And I obviously don't think Wiseman's the perfect fit out there either. But uh, I really like the idea of Turner out there in that starting lineup with Golden State. Yeah, I guess you worry about your wings a little bit since you're giving up uh, Lee here and Moses Moody, even though he's not playing. You still have Clay Thompson coming back. Andrew Wiggins logging a bulk, bulk of the minutes. Gary Payton, the second, is not a wing, of course, but... He'll be on there uh, for the perimeter. You have Andre Godali of Otto Porter Jr. I guess more of a big at this point, but I think they have pathways around that. And like I said, if you're not giving up, I was kind of opposed to the Warriors going after Sabonis or Turner. I think they need someone who's more of a, a face-up, like attack downhill offensive option for those, like a, a Siakam uh, or even a Ben Simmons. But if you're not giving up Kaminga, so if you're giving up two youngsters and one of them isn't Kaminga, I think this is a deal that I would do if I were them. Yeah, no, it's a it's an intriguing deal to, to some degree, but... Um, you know, it was more so me thinking like, hey, let's let the Pacers get younger here and not have to, uh, you know, give up too much. But if all you're really giving up is Turner and a deal to get two young assets and a nice backup point guard, I mean, that's that's really great value for Miles Turner. So that's I, a smart move for Indiana too, where it's like yeah. PJ Washington helps you now. I think you're substantially worse without Miles Turner, but for a year, that's not the worst thing no. in the world. And I do no. think it's easier to approximate certain center value on a, a cheaper clip than it is for what a lot of other positions do. And like taking a flyer on Moses Moody, who in theory can create a little bit off the balance, defend and then, and then shoot. That's just, that, that's a great flyer on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it would be too, but uh, you have an interesting trade too for trade number five here. And uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah. Sorry for making us go through that one. That was one of my favorite. Ones no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, so this one, I know a lot of people, I, first of all, I couldn't come up with any good Sabonis trades basically for all the reasons we talked about at the top of this podcast. And people mentioned the Raptors. This is a bonus destination. I'm not crazy about it. Um, I have Levert going to the Raptors instead with O'Shea Brissett for Malachi Flynn, Goran Dragic, who if he's healthy, I think actually helps the Pacers this season, but he's an expiring salary is why I like the idea of him there. And then a 2022 first round pick, you can futz around with the protections, but the way that Toronto operates, I think you're probably looking at a lottery protected pick. Yeah. See, this is, um, this is one that I was looking at when, when you sent it to me and I've always liked Goran Dragic, but I don't really know if he'd want to be in Indiana. Right. So I don't right. know how, how great that would be of a fit. Uh, Malachi Flynn is somebody that's intriguing to a certain degree, but I don't know if I want to really just give up Karis Levert and O'Shea for Malachi Flynn and a, 2022 first round lottery protected pick. Um, you know, I think some of the other values that we've seen here for trades makes more sense. And honestly, you might be able to throw in Dallas into this trade to get them that Gore and Dragic that they want. And maybe you send somebody back um, that, that they have, maybe not Tim Hardaway Jr. Cause I don't know if they want to part ways with him if they're, you know, not getting 
um, I'm curious Levert in return, right? But uh, maybe you could find a way to make this a three-team deal with Dallas. I don't know what all would work there, but um, where Goran Dragic is heading to Dallas, and maybe you can get some more players that might make more sense for this Pacers team. Or I mean, I think Dragic makes sense, but uh, I'm just not sure if he wants to be here. And I don't think at how old is he? 33, 34 years old. Um, if he's really the right guy to bring in here for this type of retool, but um, it would be fun to watch him and Sabonis play together. I think they'd be really well uh, fun to watch together. So would you do um, if you're getting back from Dallas and looking at the players that they could send out there? Like, do you take a flyer on Reggie Bullock and I don't even know at that point, like a Sterling Brown isn't enough money. Um, I don't know why you would want Dwight Powell, but maybe you're getting like an asset there. If it's a, I don't even know, but like, is that like, what are the players you want back? Tim Hardaway Jr. Would be, I think too big of an ass for Dragic him, himself. Um, yeah. I mean, you could do Dwight Powell and Reggie Bullock, but I think you have to like Dwight Powell and Reggie Bullock hasn't had the best year. I, I still like him. Uh, maybe it's a, you know, is it a, I don't even know. That's to, I think Dallas is, that's a good third team there. And I think Bullock's a good starting point for them. I'd just be curious as to what Indy specifically would want from them. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, the rumor is that Dwight Powell and, and Rick Carlisle had a pretty good relationship, right? Um, I, I think I just don't like time. Dwight Powell's game. And so, <laughs> yeah, that would be something to consider. Uh, maybe you're getting something else. If you're taking on the final year of Powell's deal next season, though, and it's a Bullock Powell situation, I doubt they're willing to give you a first round pick. Um, it's, is Jalen Brunson like too steep for them at that point? Probably. Yeah. Um, are you getting seconds? Do you like Josh Green at all? But that would be an interesting third team. Look, if the, the Raptors can build other packages too, if it's a matter of, if you're willing to take a first round pick for Karis Levert, like they do have other salaries that they could send back in theory. That would make sense. Goran Dragic's is just super clean because it comes off the books. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a, it's, it's not a bad idea for sure. I, I like the idea of Karis in Toronto, but I think it's intriguing too. Like how would he fit in there? You know um, what? If I'm Dallas, I would totally send Powell Bullock and my 2025 first to Indy if it meant getting back Justin Holiday and Goran Dragic, just because I don't want anything to do with the final year of Powell's contract. Um, Reggie Bullock, you might not like the idea of his contract at this point, but that might be something that the Pacers could look at. So they're upping their, their sort of, it's a long-term asset play, but they'd, they'd be able to up up the, the future return here. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, it wouldn't be like my first choice, right? Um, but I, I like Reggie Bullock. Maybe I'm just a little bit bullish on him from what I, I love saw Reggie last year. Bullock. He's been not great this year, but I love Reggie Bullock. And I'm not really sure why. I don't I don't know how much better he'd be under Carlisle's system because Carlisle's been a bit of effect, telling you. Yeah, it, it could be. It very well could be. So that's uh that's what I think is intriguing there. But for me, I'll I'll share my my very last um my very last pick here that I sent or trade here, excuse me, that I sent to you after I sent my original five. And I don't know if you like this one or not, but uh, it was Derek White and Devin Vassell for Miles Turner and Keelan Martin to San Antonio. I like the idea of Indy taking a flyer on Derek White. I wonder if San Antonio would view Devin Vassell as too much of a opportunity cost on Turner when they have Jakob Pertle and they do prefer to do some stuff um, with their bigs that Turner cannot do, where Sabonis would in theory be a better fit for them. But White's contract is also weird now where you don't know if it's a net negative. So I like the idea of taking a flyer there. Um, if it was Turner and who? for uh, Keelan Martin. If Martin becomes Brissett, that's probably something that looks to me uh, a little bit more palatable if San Antonio is giving up both Vassell and, um, and Derek White. But I, I do like, I love the idea of Derek White in 
Indiana. I don't know that I love him next to Karis LeVert necessarily, but yeah, that's stuff that you can worry about later. Ryan, I mean, just because that trade, you know, that trade that didn't involve Karis doesn't I mean you still can't trade Karis either, right? So I just, I like the idea of Derek White, though. I think he's a good player. Obviously, you would love to get your hands on DeJounte Murray, and that's a guy that we've talked about on this podcast. And we thought, hey, could you get, is there any way that you could get DeJounte Murray for a Sabonis deal? And it's just like, I don't, I don't think San Antonio does it with the way that Murray has been playing this year. So um, I, I, that is a Sabonis person. I mean, that's someone I would look at if I was trading Sabonis, I would look at DeJounte Murray, but at the same time, you still have the two-time all-star on that, on that list, right. For Sabonis. So it's like, are you really getting fair value here? I just, I just don't know how both teams view their players in this, in this type of trade, because this is, you know, a one-year type of thing. It's not even a full year yet for DeJounte Mm -hmm. showing these kind of crazy numbers. So could it be like a, a flash in the pan? I don't think it is, but could it be right? You know, you never know. But that, I mean, DeJounte Murray clearly to me is the guy that I would prefer out of uh, White and, and Murray and, and San Antonio. But I do like the idea of, uh, of Derek White here. And, I mean, I could even figure something out, even if he didn't get Devin Vassell, maybe Lonnie Walker in this deal, then you might have something. But, you know. Oh, if that's the, if that's the deal, if it's Derek White and Lonnie Walker for Turner and you could, you could send Brad Wanamaker back to San Antonio yeah. for all I care at that point, then that is – that is super interesting for, I think for both sides, because I, I love the idea of Derek White in Indiana. So I love Vassell pretty much everywhere. So that's a yeah. no brainer, but uh, and look, Bonnie <laughs> Walker is at least an interesting flyer. Someone in theory who can hit looks off the dribble and, and get to the rim. He's just so turbulent. Um, but the Pacers in general are turbulent this season. So that kind of fits. All right. So I guess my last question is out of all the trades that I sent you, which one is the most interesting to you? I think the Turner to golden state one, that we talked about or okay. the, the Turner to Charlotte one. That's the one I think we spent the longest time breaking down that those two made me think the most. And I, I, um, I loved those. So um, I think those there's real framework there. And with the, the Charlotte, Indiana one, I think is probably the most realistic one because um, when we look at the, just the three team trades are always harder. And so if you're Charlotte and you're getting Wiseman in that three team one, you came up with, with, which with again, um, the adjusted framework that we came up with, I would absolutely do if I'm Charlotte, but I think that, I think it was the first one you sent me. Yeah, that first one, uh, Miles Turner and Karras for Gordon Hayward and P.J. Washington. If there are nuts, if there are things to tweak, it's nuts and bolts. I don't think it's anything wholesale on that package. I actually really like it for both sides. Yeah, see, that that's that's one of the trades that I really like too. But I, I know Pacers fans are going to crap all over me for that because they probably think I'm stuck on Gordon Hayward from two years ago. But I just like the way he's played. But uh, yeah, looking at your trades, I think the one that I thought to myself was the most intriguing was probably the first one, once again, that you sent me with Karis LeVert and Justin Holiday going to the Mavericks. Pacers getting back Hardaway Jr., a 2025 first-round pick protected, and, and Trey Burke. And we talked about maybe throwing Jalen Brunson in there. And if you get Jalen Brunson in that deal instead of Trey Burke, then I really, really like it. Um, and, I re- and I also really liked the, uh, the the Knicks packages that you came up with. I think they're a little bit more realistic than what I've kind of thrown out there. But the idea of getting Kimba, Obi, Obi Top, and Mitchell Robinson and – you know, uh, uh, this year's first round pick top eight protected. I mean, you're for, for Turner and Brissett, like sure. You hate the idea of losing Brissett, but I think ultimately the players that you're getting back, I mean, it's, it's pretty good value. You're, you know, for what you're, for what you're getting back and adding that pick to me would be just be so huge. And honestly, even if the Pacers don't draft two players, if they were to get that pick from the Knicks, they could use that to, to trade. And I think that would be enticing as well. Though so it seems like combining uh, combining all the deals that you and I came up with for Turner New York, which was like a total of three, it feels like that's where the middle ground would lie. Where it's like yeah. Miles Turner for top in a pick, and then 
what salary filler does Indiana want? Is it, you know, are the Knicks willing to give up Kemba or is it just a Nerlens Noel situation because he's on a, on a short-term deal? So maybe somewhere in the middle of the three deals that we both suggested. I, as an O'Shea Brissett diehard at this point, like the second one, the best, just because I th- actually, I don't want to see Kemba leave New York necessarily, but if you're not going to use him once you're fully healthy, you want IQ and Rose in there um, and Alec Burks. I, I like that one. I think the best then for, for both sides. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if I wonder if there's any way you get Alec Burks in a deal there to the Pacers. I don't know. I, it feels like Thibodeau loves him some Alec Burks, so would probably take a, a you know Burks and something else to to get Turner. I don't know how much a Pacers value Burks. There here, are a but. lot of different permutations of Turner to the Knicks that at least are worth discussing, even if they don't all make sense. And it's not. I hadn't really given a thought of. I just I didn't think the Knicks should go after Turner, so I didn't give it much thought until you asked me to come on the podcast. But the more <laughs> I thought about it, I was like, there is so many different ways that you could do this where. Again, it's at least debatable for both teams. Yeah, I think Ian Begley, there was a video that went around on Twitter that I saw, and Ian Begley was talking about Turner. And basically what he said is the Knicks have had interest in Turner for a while, and Turner's camp has interest in being on the Knicks. So I think he's a really good fit next to Julius Randle because they, he kind of plays similarly to Sabonis, right? So he already kind of knows how to fit that bill. Uh, he'd be in, on a team that's doing better than the Pacers right now, and he'd be in a bigger market. So he'd be able to market himself a little bit more, especially for that defensive player of the year that he really wants to win. So he would also be just based off what's happened this season, the Knicks' best player. Uh, Julius wow. Randle has the numbers, but he has regressed uh, a lot. Yeah, so if Turner, if, if Turner's like, if what he's doing right now in Indy holds in New York, he becomes the Knicks' most valuable player. Well, and just think what he's done to the Knicks too this year. Like he's had three games, I think, against the Knicks. We played him three times, at least twice, I know of, where we've, uh, where he's had really good games against him. So he was auditioning. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, hey, if I'm the Knicks and I'm watching, I'm like, man, this guy's killing us. Like, hitting the ball, I hitting the three-point shot and uh, blocking everything inside. I mean, hey, I mean, he's had some great games against the Knicks. But, Dan, I probably catch you longer than I should have. We had a lot to say here about these trades, and uh, I really appreciate the time, man. It was a lot of fun doing this podcast with you, and hopefully we can do this again soon. And maybe when, once a trade does happen, we can talk about the value and just kind of look at it and maybe compare it to our notes from what we had in terms of value for the players that we uh, – we're sending out here for the Pacers, but uh, anything you want to uh, pub here on the on the podcast? Uh, yeah, they can. Everyone can follow me on Twitter at Dan Valley F A V A L E. My work is at Bleacher Report, and I have an NBA wide podcast called the Hardwood Knox Podcast, which you can follow, spelled exactly as it sounds. And this was a blast. Thank you for having me. At this point, though, here's hoping the Pacers do something because if we put in all this brain power just to come up with these fake deals for them to stand still through the entire year, that's going to be a, a pretty monstrous letdown. Evan Pritchard, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> Me and Dan are auditioning. Uh, if you need some help on that front office, we're more than happy to throw some ideas at you. But uh, with that being said, everybody, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Setting the Pace. Follow us at Setting the Pace 3 on Twitter. I'm at Alex NBA. My co-host, Mike Fauci, is at underscore F-A-C-C-I. We will talk to you all next week.